Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. For the first time in three years, an NFL team is whiffed on a golden opportunity, failing to play and host in the same Super Bowl. But that is not the final insult for our Cardinals. The final insult is that each of the Super Bowl combatants have already won games at State Farm Stadium this season, which means one of them will finish with twice as many victories in Glendale as the team that plays there on a regular basis. So there that. Wonderful. There are also other notable elements attached to Super Bowl 57. It is the first Super Bowl featuring two black starting quarterbacks, and if that's the first time you thought of it, congratulations, we're finally getting somewhere. It's the first time a pair of brothers will compete in a Super Bowl. It's a homecoming for Hassan Reddick, whose time in Arizona symbolizes everything that was wrong with the Cardinals, a team that has ruined even the rare draft hits with bizarre positional deployment like they're currently doing with Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones. It's Andy Reid facing his old team for a chance at a second Super Bowl trophy. It's a battle of fat and happy fan bases. Two teams that have each won titles in the past five years. And this is a game between the diehard, all-in, money-spending money spending fan bases guaranteed to make our Chamber of Commerce and local business owners very happy in fact, it didn't take long on Sunday for people to explain, just wait till all those crazy Philly fans get to Arizona. Newsflash, people, they're already here. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. They're going to snap it. McSorley with three seconds left. Drops back to throw. Steps up, being chased, hit, sacked at the 45-yard line. A fitting end to this week one loss for the Cardinals. 44-21 Kansas City, and it felt a lot worse than that. That was Dave Pash on the uh, final call from week one when Kansas City won for the first time. The Eagles came in a few weeks later, won a uh, much closer game against the Cardinals, like you said, in the blast. One of those teams is going to get win number two. Number two. Uh, doubling up the Cardinals' win total at State Farm Stadium this year. We do have uh, news on the Cardinals we're going to get into in the next segment. News right. on the coaching front. A guy we mentioned last week as, hey, what about this guy? He's not getting any love, and other people had said this around the league, too. Uh, but Peter Schrager from NFL Network put it out there. The Cardinals have requested to interview Bengals, D.C., Lou, and Arumo for their vacant head coaching okay. job per a league source. I wonder if other teams are going to get on the Anarumo bandwagon, too. Um, he's, be, he's He's been a commodity, but the name is certainly um, circulating now. Um yeah, there's there's so there's a, going back to the Super Bowl uh, and and the gist of the blast. Mm-hmm. There's so many intriguing storylines two weeks before the game. Yeah, the, the Andy yes. Reid Bowl, yes. the the Kelsey Bowl. Uh, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes against Jalen Hurts, the first matchup of uh, black starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. Fifty seven years into it, there's a lo- and at the heart of it. 
You got two number one seeds who won fourteen games in the regular season. Yeah. I'm jacked about this. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think you could have got a much better matchup than, than what they got. I was. Uh, I was again. I. I, w- I had stated my preference was for the 49ers, and I made that very clear as to why this is not. This certainly is not a bad outcome, and and I do think that when you take a look at at two teams and the credibility that each of these teams have, um, I think they'll bring a lot to the table. I'm not sure there's any of that actual smoke, but then again, there wasn't a ton of smoke when the Seahawks came here to play the uh, the Patriots, and that turned out to be a classic. Uh, the previous game in Glendale, that came with a built-in storyline, and that was the Patriots' search for perfection, which yes. got ended here. Mm-hmm. So there's not necessarily going to be that, but Andy Reid against Philly, that at one point in time, that would have been a huge story. I, I think but he's been gone so long now and won a title since. But he's the winningest coach in Eagles history. He's about to become the winningest coach in Chiefs wow. history. He's one of the mo- and Andy Reid gets talked about a lot on this show for uh, not his coaching acumen, but for other reasons. As well, he's one of yeah, well, he's one of the greatest, most underrated coaches yes. of all time. The juvenile members of this show will will, will dwell on his appearances. Sarah, That's true. Sarah, yeah, why'd you say plural? The juvenile <laughs> member of this show will will dwell on his appearances, but but you know Andy Reid is going to bring something schematically to the Super Bowl that you've never seen before. He does it to every big game, and it's it's one of the fun things about why. Watching the Kansas City Chiefs, they rolled some stuff out there yesterday uh-huh. that that you can always you can always count on Andy Reid uh, to keep it fresh. That I'm like sure lateral punchline there somewhere, Jarrett. You can work on that for Friday to eat fresh. The 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 flea flicker <laughs> lateral play to Kelsey that didn't work, but was in the first quarter where they passed it like a twenty yard yes. pass to Kelsey. Mm-hmm. They threw it over. Mm-hmm. It didn't work, but it was an interesting play call. And it looked like they had the option to do that on uh, on another play in that same drive. That's mm-hmm. the other thing about Andy Reid is he'll try this wrinkle stuff and. If it doesn't work, he doesn't get dissuaded from it. He'll try it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid did say last night after the uh, Chiefs won the AFC Championship, he is looking forward to facing his old team. I had a great time there. So, uh, 14 years, a long time, huh? And um, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the city. Uh, they're passionate. They love football. I, mean, I can't wait till Kansas City and Philly clash. It's going to be. It's going to be awesome, man. I mean, what a great, what a great Super Bowl will be. There's got to be. I mean, in the history of the NFL, there can't be too many examples of a coach who's been with two different franchises for a decade or more. I mean, that might be just a, a one-person club, and it might be Andy Reid. good point. Yeah, it's a really, really good point, because a guy like Andy Reid, you would think about it, wh- wh- why did Andy Reid have to leave Philadelphia? Well, it was all the failures. It was all the championship game failures. Yeah, they, they got had under- all the bridesmaids. They got place. real close of, uh, several times, mm-hmm. including... When the Cardinals made the Super Bowl, oh, yeah. I mean they beat yeah. the Eagles in the NFC Championship yeah. game. Yeah, and they had, and I think they had one Super Bowl appearance to show for it, and they couldn't cash that in. And mm-hmm. I think it, it that that was sort of like the Mike D'Antoni factor that if you're the head coach of a team in a city and there's too much heartbreak, it doesn't matter how much success you have. Mm-hmm. If you, if you have too much heartbreak and you can't cash that ticket, eventually they're gonna they're gonna it, it, it's as if Bill Belichick had gone over for in his first Super Bowl and had to leave New England. And then showed up in like Jacksonville. I don't want to go to Jacksonville. So, but that, that's kind of what it's like. It's kind of what it's like. And so it's really weird that a guy as good as Andy Reid would even be kind of booted from a market. So, 
you know, there's a little bit, a little something for everyone. The the Hassan Reddick thing was was very painful for Cardinal fans. You could see that on social media yesterday because the way he blew up that game was just was not natural. No, I mean, the pressure, the turnovers, the forcing Brock Purdy from the game. He stole the football from Josh Johnson, and they didn't give they didn't even give it to him. No, they could have looked at that. That was another great play. Uh, and I just I tweeted about it early in the game. Hassan Reddick is a menace. And I didn't have any mention of the Cardinals. I just wanted to see where it went in terms of responses. And predictably, and I'm, I, I, I totally understand it, Cardinals fans were, were not very happy about it. because, And it was, it was kind of an interesting study in who to blame for the Hassan Reddick situation. And we're a couple of years removed from it. He, was, he floated around that defense for three years. And everybody was waiting for something positive from Hassan Reddick, and it just you know, finally he came tried in year to make four. Him an inside linebacker, I, I I know, and I'm I'm really hoping that the Isaiah Simmons comparisons are just there. There's a lot. I th- I do think Isaiah Simmons has done more in his three years than Hassan Reddick did, though. In the first three, yes, yeah, yes, but but it was just such a stupid organizational it, everything everything bad about the organization or a organization was on display in that it was the it was the bad deployment making a guy underachieve um, struggling with self doubt all that stuff year four or was it year four or year five that he blew up it was four. It was year four. That's right. It was a because four-year deal. Because they had denied the that's five-year, right. the that, fifth-year option. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. And then he absolutely blew up in year four, and you lose him. Well, but here's one of the things that needs to change under new uh, the new general managership of of Monty Fort is this identification of these Swiss Army knives. You can identify them and pick them, but if you're good enough to be a Swiss Army Knife type player in college, then you're certainly talented enough to excel at one area of the NFL game. That's a great point. You know, if if I'm going into the woods and uh, you know I and I need a corkscrew, I might have a Swiss Swiss Army Knife uh, to, to open up my wine bottle on a, on a camping trip. I'd rather have a regular corkscrew. Wine while camping. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, it's, if you if you go to war, you want a real knife. You don't want a Swiss Army knife. That's why the Swiss are always neutral. <laughs> don't make fun no, of the Swiss, Jared. <laughs> They're very refined, wonderful people. The, um, Andy Reid loves their cheese. The uh, so so to me, I, I think that uh, I, I think your your general point that you're getting at is so accurate. Swiss Army knives don't work in the NFL. Nobody on this planet is good enough to do multiple things in the NFL at a high level. That's what I believe. Competition is way too good. Yeah. Way I, too fierce. I, I agree. Pick the strength and focus on it at the NFL level. Uh, coming up next, yes, there is a new name in the mix for the head coaching position for the Arizona Cardinals. That name, Lou Anarumo, will get into all And the, another one, too. Another one? I didn't see that one. Stay tuned. Wow. Same I gu- team. I guess I'll find out, too. <laughs> it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports Cardinals head coaching search update 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 Yep, Cardinals entering their fourth week of the head coaching search and add a couple new names to the mix, both coming from the Cincinnati Bengals. We mentioned the defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Uh, they've requested an interview with him for their vacant head coaching job. That from Peter Schrager. Tom Pelissero from uh, NFL Network followed that report moments uh, later. Cardinals also requested an interview with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan 
for their head coaching job, per source. Callahan is also a candidate for the Colts job, but then again, so is Bick, and so am I. We had interviews yeah. over the weekend right. with Jim Irsay, right. yeah. and I can say mine went swimmingly. <laughs> um, yeah, mine would have gone good. Dude wouldn't get out of the bathroom. Man. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's unreal. Mine took place in the bathroom. He came out, and I'm like, dude, my hour's up. He's like, okay, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to the toilet. Um, all right, so week four of this. It's mm-hmm. been three weeks since uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been fired. Do you chalk this up at this point? Hey, these guys in Cincinnati were on our list, but weren't available until they were out of the playoffs because I didn't see their names on any candidate list for the Cardinals until today. Uh, or do didn't you, stop with the D'Amico Ryan. No, exactly. And then do you read into the fact that, okay, if you're adding new candidates to this process mm-hmm. starting week four, what does that mean for the Sean Payton pursuit? It, it, yeah, uh, exactly. It means it means you're not all in on Sean Payton, or he's not coming here is what it means. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that the more and more we get away from, the further we get from Friday afternoon, the less and less likely that interview was anything more than just perfunctory. Um, and which is a shame to me because I do think, again, Sean Payton um, not only checks one box, but two very big boxes. The accountability, the discipline, the culture. He's got that. He's proven that. And then the how do we get Kyler Murray right? He would certainly check that box. Uh, but again, there's a lot here that would make you that would make you pause if you were Sean Payton, particularly Ian Rappaport's report over the weekend about, hey, Kyler Murray might not be there for half of a season. Okay, great. Um, so I, I think I, Lou Anarumo is, is you could almost hear it yesterday. A lot of football fans maybe had never heard that name prior to yesterday when he was sort of being unveiled as this is the guy. This is the mad scientist behind the Bengals defense that's been really, really good the last couple of years. And they have been good. They've been good. But, but if, 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 you, if you wanted to talk about a flavor of the week, this is the guy. Yes, which is weird because of his experience level and his age. He's 56. He's been coaching in some mm-hmm. capacity since 1989, been coaching uh, a lot of college experience, been coaching in the NFL since 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2019, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals under Zach Taylor. So that's four solid years, two uh, per, you know consecutive trips to the AFC Championship game. You see the way that defense uh, plays. It's obvious that you know when you when you have that success over the the course of a couple seasons, those mm-hmm. coordinators are going to be coveted to some degree. I wonder how much interest is there. How much. How much this indicates a lack of interest maybe in the candidates that the Cardinals have already talked to? I mean, you have to consider all things yeah. in this because this is pretty late in the game for a couple of guys to show up on a candidate Without list. A doubt. Because, it, you know, the, the Cardinals were not barred from from listing who they wanted to talk to. Or talking to them. D'Amico yes. Ryans did a couple of Zoom interviews. Yes. yes. I mean, you could have done this with Lou Anarumo if, had you chosen. I think the fact that they're doing so, I think it's twofold. I think it, it, it kind of is indicative that the Sean Payton thing likely is not happening, and I think it's also indicative that, you know, Monty Asenfort, once he came in, you know, there's guys that he wants to interview. So I, I so I think there's almost been two different head coaching searches, pre-Monty, post-Monty. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, whatever. It's, it's To me, it's, it's a little deflating because I was really hoping, I was really, really hoping that that Friday meeting between Michael Bidwell and Sean Payton would have been, you know, 
would have been a revelation mm-hmm. to both sides, and it would have been something where they were like, "Let's do this. Let's you know enough that let's let's just stop the dance, let's stop the music, let's do this." Yeah. From the duh file, uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported today: the Texans and 49ers DC D'Amico Ryan's could meet as soon as this afternoon after he handles his San Francisco responsibilities. If all goes well, a hire could be finalized Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep. Sources say their top candidate all along. It appears a homecoming is on its way mm-hmm. to happening. So no. Uh, surprises here. No, no. Yeah, that that to me seemed to be fairly obvious the minute that he interviewed there, then canceled everything afterwards. That, for people who follow football, that is code for he just got the job. They just can't announce it. Yeah, it's like, I have uh, playoffs to concentrate on, and we're not... Why, we're, why, why right. am I wasting my time talking to these teams I don't want to go And to. the Texans are like, trust me, we ain't talking to anybody, you're our guy. It, mm. It's done. And then, okay, cool, excellent, appreciate that. Hopefully see you in a few weeks, and, and here we are with D'Amico Ryan. So, yeah, it's the fact that the Cardinals are firing back up their search is not, I don't think that's going to be received well. I was having this thought over the weekend um, because, you know, I saw some, some tweets online during Championship Sunday, Cardinals fans saying, hey, look at the way these guys play. And I think one of them uh, actually was, was pointed at Anaruma. Look at the way the Bengals' defense plays. That's somebody that the Cardinals need to pluck for their head coach, mm-hmm. which, look, he, he might be great in that capacity. But in these searches, and we, we go through it every year, the hot coordinators. Who are the hot coordinators? The guys that are having success with their current teams. And you see so many of them get that opportunity, and maybe it doesn't work out. I mean, the Nathaniel Hackett uh, example from last year is, is is one of the big cautionary tales. I'm like, yeah, do, do they need to pluck the coordinator, or do they need to pluck the players? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, and, and this Anarumo guy, he he flat out said yesterday, "Look, I'm calling the same defensive sets I called when we were two and 14. I, I don't know what I don't know why I'm so hot right now. Yeah, not much of a promoter, Golly that guy. Gee, I'm hot today. <laughs> His agent's like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> His agent's like. That's a peach, That's hun. That's a peach, hun. <laughs> Golly gee, I'm hot today. Mr. Havercamp. Mr. Havercamp. Ball's over here, Mr. Havercamp. <laughs> Fabulous. Have you, have you seen the, the, the previews for the Caddyshack Super Bowl commercials with Tony Romo as Bill Murray? Yes. Hmm. There's not much I, I, I enjoy that Tony Romo does. Yeah. Yeah, they have no, the, the it, costume was right on. Like they even get the stains in the right places no, on his shirt. Billy, but. Bill Goody Koontz, who covers the media for AZ Central, he said it best. He's like, for, for people who know the character and know the movie, that's just a bad imitation, and it doesn't have any relevance at all. And to people who don't know what Caddyshack is, they're going to be completely like, what is this commercial about? <laughs> yeah, a few years ago, probably a lot of years ago now, remember they did it with Tiger Woods. And that was actually pretty good. Tiger Woods is the Bill Murray character. Mm-hmm. The wizard is still <laughs> wizardry, but right here. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can hear it in his voice. He's like, oh, I don't know where to go. And then there was later in the in the game, there was uh, Jim Nance did a promo for whatever that fire show was coming up on coming mm-hmm. up next on mm-hmm. CBS. And he tried Tony tried to like bounce off of that and oh, work yes. it into his next point. Speaking of fire, Jim, uh, this is if somebody messes up, this is going to be a fireable offense. <laughs> he did say that. I was like, oh, <laughs> goodness. 20 million a year. Yeah. Money well spent, huh? 
Wow. <laughs> Just wow. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk NFL playoffs with Max Starks, our NFL analyst. Straight ahead, it's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata mornings. Oh, the Super Bowl matchup is set. We've got coaching searches continuing in Arizona and elsewhere. Great time to talk to our next guest. And it's been a while since we've talked to Max Starks, NFL analyst, who uh, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Max. How are you? Good morning, Vince. How are you and Dan doing? We are doing well. Uh, Max Money, what's happening? <laughs> Max, I think the uh, the Super Bowl uh, powers that be here in Arizona. I mean, look, you you get any matchup, you're going to be thrilled with it when you get a chance to host. But this matchup, you know, the two number one seeds, two teams that won 14 games in the regular season, uh, with two gritty quarterback performances. I, this is about as good as it gets on paper going in, don't you think? No, I mean, this sets up for a tremendous matchup. When you look at the path both of these teams have taken, and of course, you know, one having the elite status as the top quarterback in the league, I think argue, uh, I don't even think there's an argument about Patrick Mahomes and him being the top quarterback in the league. Um, but then, and a rising star in Jalen Hurts, um, it's going to be a titanic matchup. You got the Kelsey brothers, you know, that are also going to be, uh, going head-to-head, so to speak. Um, both offensive players, though. I mean, everything on paper, the way that Philly defense is versus the Kansas City offense, classic matchup. I mean, I really like everything that, that, um, that that's about to start uh, trick, matriculating into the town um, as far as headlines for this game. All right, when you take a look at the, at the Cincinnati-Kansas uh, City game, a lot was made about the officiating. What does it feel like to be a player in one of those games when it feels like everything is going against you? And what did you think about the way that game was officiated? You know, I was I was frustrated. You know, the impact that the referees had in the game, um, just on a lot of those calls. But, you know, I felt like Cincinnati overcame most of it uh, until that one blunderous decision. You know, the span of about a second and a half decision to keep your hands fully extended while a quarterback's running out of bounds um, cost the Bengals a shot at a return trip to the Super Bowl. but at the end of the day, I mean, to be a player in that situation, you're frustrated. But we're, we're kind of conditioned to think, you know, just keep your head down, keep plowing forward, and just keep move on to the next play, and that good things will eventually happen. Like, you can't continually pile on the entire time. And I thought the Bengals did a great job of that until that last moment, right? Until that last really physical play before the, before the field goal attempt by Butker that – I just I felt the Bengals still were in control, and then that one decision changed everything. I was expecting to see this brand new playoff rule come into effect um, that was highly talked about and debated. And I was like, what more appropriate place than the place where this spirit of the law was created than in Kansas City? And Joseph Asai took that away from me once again. A Bengal lets me down, so you know. (laughs) Once again. (laughs) 
<laughs> Once again. Uh, Max Starks, our guest here on Bickley Murata Moorings. More on that play and, and what Osai did. It, it was weird because on the broadcast he was getting praised by Jim Nance and Tony Romo leading up to that play. And then he makes – there's no other way to say it. You called it. It was a blunder play. Uh, and we saw a parade of Bengals going up to Osai on the sidelines who was inconsolable seemingly on the sideline. Uh, but it wasn't universal. Jermaine Pratt was yelling about it on his way to the locker room. I mean, in a situation like that, do you have any experience as a teammate, Max, having to deal with a player, a teammate that has, has made such a ca- catastrophic mistake in such a big spot? Oh, not that catastrophic. Thank God. Because he would not have been a teammate of mine too much longer after that. Um, or or I wouldn't have been a teammate of his. I don't, I don't know how that would have worked. One of us would have had to go. Um, but, you know, I've been a part where guys have missed some big plays in the moment, and you kind of get on them a little bit. Um, I'm guilty of it. <clears throat> with one of my teammates, he dropped literally a wide open touchdown in a highly contested game, and I was, I was, I was not 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 thrilled about it. And I let him know that for about a week um, that that I was not thrilled about it, and yeah, you know, I, I felt bad about it after the fact. But I'm like, no, not in the moment. I'm like, this is this is what <clears throat> we've been practicing for. Mm-hmm. So to imagine you are in the game. You've been playing a great game thus far, and it's like you short-circuited at the worst possible time, right? And I, I, I can sympathize on both sides of it because I've also known that I've also had that moment where I've committed a penalty at, the, at, at a terrible time as well. So we've all been there. If you play long enough, you are going to have one of those moments. The bad part is, you know, Asai had it at the worst possible time, and of course there was no recourse. Right, he couldn't go back and redeem himself yeah, later true. because there was no time left. So that's what makes this one even more kind of you know a uh, bigger moment, and everybody saw it too. It wasn't like ah, this is something like off the ball, you know, like a defensive holding like Eli Apple had, you know, <laughs> where you're like, oh man. It's like it could have went either way. <clears throat> that one was clear as day. It was blatant. The dude hyperextended his knee afterwards, and now he's riding on the ground on the sidelines holding his knee, and he just gave up a 15-yard penalty. You know what I'm saying? So it was like insult to the yeah, injury uh, was that you have a double whammy happen at, at, in that moment. All right, the Cardinals are firing back up their coaching search. They're going to interview both coordinators with the now-extinct eliminated Bengals. What are, what are your thoughts on this thing as it rolls into another week, especially after interviewing and apparently um, not coming to terms of Sean Payton over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know the direction that the Cardinals want to go in, right? Because I mean, it's it's so across the board, and you're interviewing two coordinators that have not been head coaches either. So you know, now you're back mm-hmm. in the rookie head coach realm, where you I thought we were going in trending in the direction of getting an established former head coach, a guy who can handle this, who has you know deep roots in the NFL that can go bring in the right guys because he's had connect he has connections to bring in pretty much almost everybody or anybody that he'd want to and now we're going back to it's going to be piecemeal if you're looking at the younger coordinators because you couldn't get it done with Sean Payton so that's where I just wonder you know 
where the Cardinals' direction is, what's Monty Austin Ford and Mike Bidwell's kind of vision for this team, and how are you going to support? If you're going to go another first-time head coach, this would be that would be number three in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do to make it work this time? Because it has not worked the previous two times. No. Like we, we've seen this story, and I know people are like, oh, well, you got to give young guys a chance. But at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> is this a young guy situation? I feel like when apropos, do it. But, <clears throat> you know, you have a team that's looking at trying to re-identify themselves figure out what they're going to be. And then you're also trying to deal with, you know, your franchise quarterback who might not be available for the first half of the season. Um, and then dealing with him once he does return and will have the right kind of cachet to be able to communicate with him. So that's where I just I struggle with the choices and decisions. And maybe this is just smokescreen. I don't know. But it's very frustrating to see that Sean Payton's still behind the desk um, doing game calls, and he is not a head coach anywhere. Yeah, I'm wondering, too, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you just said, Max. You know, obviously, injury or no injury, the next head coach, his tenure with the Cardinals is going to be judged on what happens with Kyler Murray for the rest of this contract. Are you of the belief that this next head coach absolutely necessarily has to be an offensive mind? Or do you think a defensive uh, mind can come in and tab the right quarterback slash court coach or slash OC to unlock Kyler Murray? Yeah, I, I think it matters just about the general command that that head coach has. I don't think it has to be offensive-minded uh, or defensive-minded. I mean, we, we, we've seen both. Um, and, and I think it just really comes down to who is going to command the attention and kind of unlock that Rubik's Cube that is Kyler Murray. Um, and is he going to be able, is he going to do it himself directly influencing that? Or is it going to be who he hires to do that job? You know, it, I, I don't care either way, just as long as you get the job done, right? You know, don't, don't, don't give me, you know, don't, don't tell me the details. Just, just serve the food, right? I don't need the chef to come out and explain his technique for cutting the zucchini. Um, <laughs> just, just show me what succotash looks like, right? Um, you know, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it because I don't think it has to be <clears throat> such a, such a narrow focus. Of, oh my God, we have to have this specific guy because he does this so great. And I think that's what's going to work. It's like, no, get the coach who can lead men and then allow that leader to then get the right guys in place. Because as much as the, the head coach will interact with the entire team, that quarterback offensive coordinator coach is going to be the one that directly influences how Kyler Murray thinks, how his approach is, what's his progression, what's his mindset and his mental state going into game to game, and how does he tap that introvert into an extroverted introvert. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need you to be an extrovert, Kyler Murray. I don't need you going around hugging everybody and high-fiving and chest bumping and grittying everybody. But I do need you to have a better decorum when you're on the sidelines. Make sure that information is being passed between you. Make sure that you're interacting with your other offensive mates, staying engaged in this game, and then also how you handle yourself on a day-to-day basis when you enter the facility. Max, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Dan Vince. You guys take care. You too. Max Starks, NFL analyst, uh, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, watching uh, Mahomes and Burrow.
last night in the AFC Championship game conjured up some questions about the Cardinals quarterback situation with Kyler Murray. We'll get into some of those questions next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Isaiah Pacheco will be the running back. Chiefs have Kelsey walking out as a flanker to the left side. Since he was six men up on the line of scrimmage, fake a delayed blitz. Mahomes will fire it late for the end zone. Caught! Marquez Valdez Scantling on his backside! Touchdown! Kansas City! Marquez Valdez Scantling on a 19 yard reception on third down and 10. That is uh, Mitch Holtis, voice of the uh, Chiefs on 106.5. The Wolf, right? <laughs> the name of That's their uh, flagship station. Yeah, how about it? Uh, that was, look, Patrick Mahomes, if you just wanted to watch a reel of Patrick Mahomes' big time throws mm-hmm. um, in the NFL, yeah. you'd be sitting around for you know a few hours. There's been that many big time throws in his career. That one would certainly be on that reel. For him to step up in the pocket on one leg and fling a laser beam, 19 yard pass, and you heard Holt to say it. MVS is on his backside, makes that catch. It was just one of those yeah. tremendous throws. Joe Burrow had a throw on fourth down, a couple throws. Uh, the, you know, the touchdown throw that he had in the corner of the end zone, perfectly thrown. Mm-hmm. He had the big play down the field on fourth down to chase. Just these big time players making big time throws in high pressure situations. Yeah. Although that Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase on fourth down, that was sort of a throw it up and receiver goes and gets it kind of ball. Yeah, it was. I, I will agree with you there. It was uh-huh. more. That was more of a gutsy decision to go it, for right. it, and the play call was very gutsy. Right, uh, but without it, a doubt. The, the decision doubt. to trust the talented receiver certainly was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't help but wonder, and I even I even pondered if I wanted to bring this up. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's fair right now. All right. Because we've talked about Kyler Murray, the report yesterday from Ian Rappaport, uh, that kind of furthers what we already knew. Hey, it doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. Might miss half of next season, at least as he recovers from the ACL and meniscus surgery. But when you watch big-time quarterbacks like that in those high-pressure situations, that is the currency. That's what you need to have in the NFL for sustained success and to compete for Super Bowls. And I had the thought, fair or not, like, will Kyler Murray ever be that guy? Mm-hmm. We saw Kyler Murray be that guy in college. Uh, and even on a high you know, high pressure, bright light kind of scenario in the college football playoffs against Alabama, they fell behind very early in that game. And Kyler Murray was mm-hmm. magical in that game to bring Oklahoma yeah. back. They ultimately lost it. But we haven't seen that sustained ability to do that in crunch time situations from Kyler Murray. Not in sustained and certainly not in crunch time. I would take, here's the solace I would take in that because I, I do think Kyler Murray can be that guy because I think he's shown that he can be that guy in bits and pieces and snippets in year two and three. Year, in years two and three he was an MVP candidate. Year three it was serious flirtation yeah. with it. And, and then it all kind of fell off the map and he hasn't been the same. So if you were only to watch last season prior to Kyler Murray's injury, 
I, I think you could and should have a lot of questions whether or not he can he can be that guy, whether he can win a conference championship game for you. But the way he performed in years two and three uh, tells me it's there. It's it's a matter of kind of getting whatever happened last year out of the system. And again, there's a very there's a very easy lazy explanation that was um, sort of furthered by an anonymous source that Kyler Murray got paid and his motivation wasn't the same. That everybody kind of knew it. And and I, I I don't I don't know if I buy that. I, what I do buy is there's a lot of guys who do not like Kyler Murray, some even in his own locker room. Um, so I, so the question becomes, can the next guy if, – if you look at Patrick Mahomes and you say, can Kyler Murray be that guy – I don't know about that. But the bigger question is, to me, is can Kyler Murray be Jalen Hurts? And then you say to yourself, why not? They played at, both played at Oklahoma. So how does he? How, how can he be like Jalen Hurts? Well, what does Jalen Hurts do extremely well? He leads extremely well, and he handles the physicality, and he plays with a lot of courage. Those are the two big areas of deficiency in Kyler Murray's game when you compare it with the Jalen Hurts. Now, to compare him to Patrick Mahomes might be a little unfair because that's that's either one or one A or one B or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. wherever you want to slot him. Yeah, to the first part of that equation, how could you be more like Jalen Hurts? And what sets Jalen Hurts apart? Yeah, the leadership thing you you can develop that. Uh, I I I I tend to believe that leadership a big portion of it is either you have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I think you can hone what you can on that front, and that certainly has not been considered a strength of Kyler Murray in his NFL career. Mm-hmm. Um, the embracing the physicality of the position, I think you're t- talking about two two different extreme poles uh, on that spectrum. I think you got Jalen Hurts who thrives on it. And Jalen Hurts is like a power lifter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when it comes to toughness, he's, yeah. he's way up there. And I think Kyler Murray is very, like we've said before, he's very aware of his stature. And yeah. he is not a fan of, his, of, of contact. And his body language isn't the greatest. When you look at Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow never shows any emotion at all in a football, whether he's on the bench, whether he's in a huddle, yeah. whether he's standing in his own goal line, his hands are in his pocket, and he's just kind of checking things out. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think there's that. It, when Even if you look at the picture that Kyler Murray uh, put out on Instagram post-knee uh, surgery, even that screams bad body language. It's a, it's a gritty picture. Yeah. Kind of like paint. It really, really illustrates what he's going through when you when you take a close look at that knee. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the head bowed and just kind of slumped on the yeah. on the training table. Right. You're like, it's oh, bad man. body language, right? It's a sad picture. It is, and so, and I'm not sure he intended it to be that way, but but yeah. So I do think uh, again, this is to me, this is why what they're doing right now is so so darned important. You got to get somebody who can take all the great stuff in him and maximize it. Mm-hmm. And coach all the bad stuff out of them. But that's the cruelty in all of this is whoever has that responsibility from this point moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's all delayed. It's all it, you could certainly build a relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's I think easier to build a relationship with a player when you're actually coaching him on the football field, and that's not going to be a reality for no, this new I coach know. or the next head yeah. co- uh, offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach for quite some time. Well, and you've got to you've got to assume that whoever the new coach is going to come in here, and 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 I would think he's going to make it very clear to Kyler Murray: you need to be rehabbing with us. You need to be in this building. 
You need to be learning and absorbing everything we're doing here. Michael Bidwell made that clear in his uh, his press conference mm-hmm. that that would be his preference as well. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the 9 o'clock hour is upon us. Time to dive into some social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.